2: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show.
3: Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take the first couple of segments and take a look at the headline news. And in the second half of this first hour, along with James Blend, we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. In our second hour, we'll share the Christian outlook featuring Jeremiah Johnston, a Prestonwood Baptist Church Plano, Texas pastor He's going to talk about the massacre in Uvalde. We'll also hear from Dr. Kurt Thompson about the root source of the evil there. And Josh Brown, pastor of Belfield Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh on what to say and what not to say when tragedy strikes. Finally, we hear from uh, Danny Huarta. He is uh, with Focus on the Family. He'll talk about how families can constructively deal with the tragedy in Uvalde. All of that coming up in the second hour of today's program. And later this hour, we'll be giving away our final pair of tickets to the Kingdom Tour at the Moda Center in Portland, the 20th of July. That's the Maverick City Music with Kirk Franklin, along with uh, Jonathan McReynolds and House Fires, again, coming to the Portland Moda Center on the 20th of July. We'll be giving those tickets away this first hour of today's program. Well, conservatives and gun rights supporters were alarmed with the president's Thursday evening address. He encouraged a new assault weapons ban in America. Despite the president's claim he would never take away anyone's guns, conservatives pointed out his proposals would do just that. Well, during the address, the president lamented the loss of life in the recent mass shootings, like the one that took place in Uvalde, Texas, and proposed several bans he thought would minimize those crimes. Uh, We need to ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines, and if we can't ban assault weapons, then we should raise the age to purchase them from 18 to 21, he said. He added that the country also needs to strengthen background checks, enact safe storage and red flag laws, repeal the immunity that protect gun manufacturers from liability, address the mental health crisis, deepening the trauma of gun violence. And though the president insisted, I want to be very clear, this is not about taking away anyone's guns. It's not about vilifying gun owners. Elsewhere in the speech, the commander in chief voiced his opinion against the Second Amendment and the fact that it's not absolute. He also slammed Republican lawmakers for their reluctance in agreeing to the common sense measures as he defined them. And he called them um, stated. Uh, but to the fact that the majority of Senate Republicans don't want any of these proposals, which isn't accurate. They want some of them, just not the uh, the gun proposal ban that he is suggesting. Um Even uh, to be debated or come up for a vote, I find unconscionable. We can't fail the American people again. So said the great uniter conservatives on Twitter weren't buying the speech, calling it a thinly veiled attempt to attack the Second Amendment and American gun owners. Those who lawfully possess them, conservative activists and Republican congressional candidate Robbie Starbuck. He cut to the heart of the message, tweeting everything Joe Biden proposed today is a threat to the Second Amendment. But the worst is repealing gun manufacturers immunity from liability. If they end up liable for every criminal who misuses a gun, they'll go bankrupt and there won't be any guns for sale. It's a total gun ban. This is a communist takeover attempt. Starbuck added in another tweet. That essentially outlines the battle lines that are being drawn over how to respond to what happened in Uvalde and in Buffalo most recently, but certainly the broader and longer history of gun violence in America. Another news, in a royal reunion, Harry and Meghan attended the royal church service despite their tenuous relationship with the family. They were actually booed uh, as they were entering their vehicle earlier in the day. And in a case of activist politics, the Biden administration is holding school lunch money hostage to force transgender policies, activist parents warn. On political upheaval, Colombia's president condemned Russia's most brutal genocide, warning of atrocities disrupting democracies. Up in arms, Democrats in tight races sent a searing letter to the Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, over the party's gun control push. Calling for an assault weapon ban, Nancy Pelosi said Democrats will hold a hearing on a possible assault weapons ban, which was excluded from the gun reform package. Ignoring inflation, a Biden economic adviser heralded strong recovery, blaming Putin for much of the energy sector. Inflation. In a series of network turnarounds, NBC, Washington Post and CNN, they've dropped un- uh, unflattering reports on White House turmoil, suggesting issues plaguing the president weren't caused by his administration. Good and bad? The New York Times parent focus group agrees kids should hear both the good and the bad of U.S. history. Despite the economy, Qualcomm is growing. Despite inflation, lockdowns in China and the flat phone market, Qualcomm continues to grow, according to its CEO. Saying dissect everything, a Parkland dad warned Governor Abbott of Texas that the Texas school shooting is bigger than the police response that day. Facing high inflation headwinds, the May jobs report is expected to show hiring waning, as the White House had warned. President Biden delivered a speech urging lawmakers to pass gun control laws. It had mixed reviews and a Democrat congressman is taking aim at the filibuster and Supreme Court packing to achieve gun uh, gun control. Town Hall reports that Congressman Mondaner Jones warned law abiding gun owners that Democrats will do everything in their power to ensure AR-15s and similar type firearms are confiscated. During a House Judiciary Committee hearing on Thursday, the hearing was to consider House Resolution 77910, the Protecting Our Kids Act, which would raise the legal age to purchase certain semi automatic um, rifles and semi automatic uh, center fire shotguns from 18 to 21, with exceptions. The bill will also modernize the prohibition on untraceable firearms and encourage the safe storage of the same. Saudi Arabia is preparing. To step up oil production, the Financial Times reports that Saudi Arabia has indicated to Western allies that it is prepared to raise oil production should Russia's output fall substantially under the weight of sanctions, according to five people familiar with those discussions. The kingdom has resisted calls from the White House to accelerate production increases, despite oil prices trading near $120 a barrel, the highest level in a decade, arguing that the energy crunch could get significantly worse this year. Saudi Arabia Believes it needs to keep spare production capacity in reserve. But fears of outright supply shortages have risen after the EU launched another round of sanctions against Moscow including a ban on importing seaborne cargoes of Russian oil into the bloc. The Wall Street Journal weighs in, saying Saudi-led OPEC and its allies agreed to a bigger than expected oil production increase, allowing Riyadh to potentially pump more crude. At the same time, Saudi Arabia agreed to extend a two-month-old uh, ceasefire with the Iran-backed Houthi fighters, And Yemen, where the kingdom has been uh, entangled in a costly, unpopular seven-year-old war. Both moves were sought by the U.S. and helped set the stage for the president to visit Saudi Arabia later this month, as the president looks to set aside longstanding divisions with the kingdom amid high oil and gasoline prices that have driven inflation. While the visit hasn't been announced, although he did make reference to it earlier today, the moves on Thursday create momentum for the president's trip. The Seattle Police Department lacks the manpower to investigate sex crimes. The worsening staffing crisis at the Seattle Police Department has forced the defunded force to no longer take on new adult sexual assault cases this year, according to a newly revealed internal memo. Not only is this alarming to victims, but certainly would be predators as well. The Seattle Times first reported Tuesday about the four page memo, which the sergeant in charge of the sexual assault child abuse unit sent internally to interim police chief Adrian Diaz on the 11th of April. In that memo titled Staffing Issues, Sergeant Pamela St. John said that she currently is not able to assign new adult sexual assault cases because of other statutory requirements. Just three years ago, the unit had 12 skilled detectives, but at the time the memo was written, there were only four remaining. The Seattle Times says the unit sergeant put her staffing crisis in stark terms. The community expects our agency to respond to reports of sexual violence. Sergeant Pamela St. John wrote, and at current staffing levels, that objective is unattainable. Law enforcement agencies here and across the country have grappled with labor shortages during the pandemic and since the 2020 protests following the murder of George Floyd. But Seattle's failure to staff its sexual assault unit stands out from other local police departments and raises questions about the Seattle Police Department's priorities, advocates say. Elia Shapiro has been reinstated to his Georgetown Law position A controversial SCOTUS tweet landed him on administrative leave. The National Review points out that legal scholar Ilya Shapiro will be taken off administrative leave from Georgetown University after the institution concluded its investigation into a series of tweets by Shapiro that caused backlash on campus. Shapiro wrote several tweets in January on the Biden administration's selection process for a new Supreme Court justice with the presidential pledging. Uh, president, rather, pledging to nominate a black woman to the court. In one of those tweets, Shapiro wrote that objectively uh, best pick for object. Yeah, objectively uh, best pick for Biden is Sy, Syrian invasion. Uh, but that, alas, doesn't fit into the latest intersectional hierarchy. So we'll get lesser black woman. End quote. Ilya Shapiro says what I achieved was a technical victory, but one that still shows the value in standing up for free speech in the face of cancellation. That's So even when that speech is inartful, as I already admitted, was my criticism of President Biden's decision to limit the Supreme Court pool by race and sex. Although I apologize for my poor phrasing, some advised never apologize, but I take pride in clear communication. I stand by my view that Mr. Biden should have considered all possible nominees as 76 percent of Americans agreed in an ABC News poll and that the best choice would have been Judge uh, Siri, civil invasion who is an Indian American immigrant. You're listening to the Georgine Rice show. I need to take a quick break, but we'll be back in a few moments and when we return, we'll give away a pair of tickets for the Maverick City concert coming up in July.
2: You're listening to the Georgine Rice show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
3: Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to continue our look through um, headline news and we'll take a look at the lighter side of the news coming up later this hour with James Blend. Well, as Ukrainians pull back, Russia now controls 20 percent of the country. The Wall Street Journal points out that Ukrainians fled frontline towns in eastern Ukraine as Russian forces sought to push beyond the city of Severodonsk. And Kyiv probed uh, Russian defense in areas where R- Moscow's occupying forces are more thinly stretched. The battle for the eastern Donbas region is inflicting heavy casualties on both sides and has uprooted tens of thousands of civilians seeking to escape the intense fighting. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, in a speech in Luxembourg parliament on Thursday, said that Russia controls about 20 percent of Ukrainian territory and that the front line stretches for more than 600 miles. The town of Pro. Pokrovsk, 80 miles southwest of um, another region, has become a temporary refuge for hundreds of people who each day are fleeing areas increasingly being shelled by Russian forces looking to expand their offensives in Donbass. CBS CBS. says that Britain pledged Thursday to send sophisticated medium-range rocket systems to Ukraine, joining the United States and Germany in equipping the embattled nation with advanced weapons for shooting down aircraft and knocking out artillery. Western arms have been critical to Ukraine's success in stymieing Russia's much larger and better equipped military during a war now in its 99th day. Wisconsin parents won a gender pronoun case against their daughter's school. Alliance Defending Freedom reports that attorneys with the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty and ADF represent the parents in the lawsuit BF versus Kettle Moraine School District, which challenges the district's policy that allows minor students to change their name and gender pronouns at school without parental consent. Christian Headlines points out that the controversy started when the parents' 12-year-old daughter Experienced anxiety and depression and began questioning her gender. She told staff that she wanted to be identified by a male name and by male pronouns, although her parents objected, believing it would not be in their daughter's best interest, the suit says. Kettle Moraine responded, however, that pursuant to district policy, the school would not follow their decision, but would instead refer to their daughter using whatever name and pronouns she wanted. Well, the parents immediately withdrew her from school, according to the lawsuit. Shortly thereafter, the girl's demeanor changed and she decided she wanted to continue using her birth name and female pronouns, the suit said. Well, China is preparing to launch another new aircraft carrier. The Wall Street Journal says China is poised to launch its newest, most advanced aircraft carrier in a major step that will enable its Navy to expand its military operations on the high seas. New satellites imagery reviewed by the um, the Wall Street Journal shows that after several years of work in the uh, shipyard in Shanghai, China's third carrier known as the Type 003, may be afloat in the coming weeks or even days, analysts said. The Type is China's third aircraft carrier and its largest and most advanced. It uses new electromagnetic catapult technology akin to what the U.S. and French carriers have to launch aircraft, analysts say. American Military News reports that the military insider, who is familiar with China's aircraft carrier projects, said the launch of the China Type 003 carrier from its um, shipyard in Shanghai on the island will coincide with China's dragon boat festival in on friday june the third the aircraft carrier needs to go into sea trials as soon as possible and may take several years to achieve initial operational capability the military insider said other preparations at the shipyard also suggest the type 003 carrier will move soon ohio governor dewine will sign a bill authorizing arming teachers and providing 100 million dollars in security upgrades to schools The Ohio governor on Thursday said he intends to sign that bill. It would allow the state school employees to arm themselves. He addressed the bill during a manufacturing event in northwest uh, northeast Ohio. When asked about House Bill 99, he said the legislation would provide extra protection for students. Under the latest version of the bill, school employees uh, who carry guns would need up to 24 hours of initial training, then up to eight hours of requalification training annually. The Daily Wire reports that in addition to the new bill concerning armed security, DeWine also released a statement regarding a school safety bill, House Bill 687, that would approve $100 million for school security upgrades across the state. The bill would also add $5 million to new security for higher education campuses in Ohio. The Department of Justice wants to investigate the Border Patrol team that took down the Uvalde shooter. It has become increasingly evident that members of the Border Patrol, specifically those on the elite BORTAC team, defied orders from the Uvalde police and breached this classroom the shooter was in at Robb Elementary School in order to stop the attack. The local police appeared to believe the situation had turned from an active shooter to a barricaded subject, despite 911 calls being made by children who were trapped inside that classroom with the shooter. If not for the Border Patrol agents, the shooter could have claimed more lives. Now, House Democrats on the Homeland Security Committee want to investigate the agent's role in killing the shooter. 390,000 jobs were added in May. The latest uh, monthly job numbers beat the expectation of 328,000, with 390,000 jobs added. However, wage growth came up shy of the anticipated 0.4 percent increase, coming in at 0.3 percent. In other words, wages are not keeping up with Biden inflation. The lion's share of the jobs gained were in the leisure and hospitality industry, which accounted for eighty four thousand business services accounted for another another seventy five thousand. Meanwhile, the retail sector experienced a negative turn with sixty one thousand jobs lost. We're still short of pre pandemic employment levels and more than 11 million openings remain unfilled. The one time Democrat presidential hopeful gets four years of fraud or rather for fraud. A brash young lawyer representing adult film star Stormy Daniels in the lawsuit against Donald Trump was treated by the left media as the silver bullet that would take down bad orange man. Michael Avenatti not only played up that superhero characterization, but evidently believed it, as he seriously floated the notion of running in the Democratic presidential primary. While well, those delusions of grandeur quickly evac- evaporated, Avenatti was subsequently charged and convicted of defrauding several clients, including the aforementioned Daniels. On Thursday, he was sentenced to four-year prison term after he was found guilty earlier this year of cheating Daniels out of three hundred thousand dollars. Prior to his sentencing. He, was, uh, he sent an apology letter to Daniels, but the judge observed that the gesture was too little, too late. Vladimir Putin is and has cancer. A recent U.S. intelligence report confirms rumors that Russian President Vladimir Putin is not in good health. According to the report, Putin underwent treatment for advanced cancer in April. Furthermore, the report claims that an assassination attempt was made against him in March. Putin's grip on power is strong but no longer absolute, the intel report observes. The jockeying inside the Kremlin has never been more intense during his rule. Everyone sensing that the end is near. An officer from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence noted that clarity um, as to the details surrounding the situation in Moscow has gotten much more difficult to come by following the invasion of Ukraine. One source of our best intelligence, which is contact with outsiders, largely dried up as a result of the Ukraine war, uh, war. Putin has had few meetings with foreign leaders. His isolation has thus increased levels of speculation. Gun sales were over 1 million for 34 straight months. The White House promises to check whether Biden lied about his Annapolis appointment. OPEC Plus announces oil production boost following the international pressure. And 25 percent of Americans are delaying retirement due to inflation, a survey finds. President Biden blames AIDS for 40-year high inflation. And Elon Musk feels super bad about the economy, saying he needs to cut 10 percent of Tesla jobs. Disney accuses Star Wars fans of racism for thinking the new character doesn't hold up. And in a stock poll, a Republican leads Oregon's governor's race. Yeah, I better repeat that. A Republican leads Oregon's governor race. Groomers say kids will be exposed to nudity and kink, that's a quote, at pride parades, but don't worry, it's educational. Harvey Weinstein lost the appeal of his rape conviction in New York. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll take a quick break. And when we return, I'll be joined by James Blend. So stay with us.
2: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
3: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're going to take a look at the lighter side of the news in just a few moments. But first, I want to let you know what's going on or at least what went on on this day in history. 1948, the 200-inch reflecting Hale telescope at the Palomar Mountain Observatory in California is dedicated. 1965, Edward H. White becomes the first American to walk in space during the flight of Gemini 4. 1977, the United States and Cuba agree to set up diplomatic interest sections in each other's countries. Cuba also announces the immediate release of 10 Americans jailed on drug charges. 1989, Iran's spiritual leader, the Ayatollah Khomeini, dies. 1989, also, Chinese um, army troops begin their sweep of Beijing to crush student-led pro-democracy demonstrations. 2008. President Barack Obama claims the Democratic presidential nomination, I should say candidate Obama, speaking in the same St. Paul, Minnesota arena where Republicans would be holding their national convention in September of the same year. 2014, tens of thousands of Syrians in government-controlled cities vote to give President Bashar Assad a new seven-year mandate. The opposition and its Western allies denounce the election as a farce, with U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry calling it a great big zero. 2016, boxing legend Muhammad Ali dies at a hospital in Scottsdale, Arizona. He was 74. 2017, a white van slammed into pedestrians on London Bridge, killing eight people. The three attackers were shot and killed by police. And finally, on 2018, Guatemala's Volcano of Fire, one of the most active volcanoes in Central America, erupts in fiery explosions of ash and molten rock, killing more than 100 people and leaving scores of others missing. Well, as promised, we are going to give away our final pair of Maverick City Kirk Franklin Kingdom Tour tickets. That's coming up to the Moda Center here in Portland on July the 20th. You can also, by the way, enter to win online at kpdq.com, and the winners will be announced on um, Monday, June the 6th. So uh, you can go to kpdq.com and not only enter to win tickets there, but you can also uh, find a link to buy tickets Uh, There as well. We want to give this away um, our pair of tickets to the third caller and the number to call 800-845-2162, 800-845-2162, caller number three. Well, James, welcome to the uh, to the program and the lighter side of the news.
1: Why, thank you. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. Sort of.
3: (laughs) Yeah, not exactly.
1: All right. Not exactly.
3: Not at all, really, right?
1: No. In fact, I kind of feel forced into this whole thing.
3: (laughs) Well, then you better act right.
1: I'll try my best.
3: Well, this was rather disturbing because I had announced here, it's been maybe a couple of years ago before the pandemic, that I would never have someone deliver food to my residence or to my workplace because I didn't trust that people would bring the food without, well, having a taste. Some things are easier to um, nibble on than others, but there's a new survey that says Eight in ten delivery workers admit to eating a customer's food. Not every customer, but a customer. And I'm just sure I would be one of them. I have since relented. I have ordered food. We ordered food last night. Yep. Now I don't know
1: what to think. I ordered a pizza last night. Same Ordering
3: thing. takeout tonight. It might be a good idea to go pick it up yourself. That's a new survey that finds eight in ten delivery workers admit to eating part of their customer's order. According to the poll of more than 500 delivery drivers commissioned by Circuit Route Planner, Stealing a customer's fries or putting their uh, sticky fingers on someone's chicken may not be the most disgusting thing happening on the way to the front door. One in four drivers confess that they've... um, I'm not even going to mention that. One in ten... Yeah, I'm not even going to mention it. It, It's worse than... It's the worst thing you can imagine. I'll just put it that way. Another 10% say that they have... um, Oh my goodness, this is awful. They're relieving themselves. Oh dear. Yeah, in beverages and meals. I'm just going to leave it at 8 and 10 are eating your food. And 10% say that they're doing worse.
1: I think that's happened to me a couple times. But on the positive side, they've eaten the whole thing and not shown up. Wow. Uh, as opposed to, uh, you know... Every once in a while, there's something missing, but those bags usually are sealed at the restaurant.
3: Well, they are now. I'm noticing yeah. doing that more often.
1: Um, including, actually, I've noticed that um, a couple of weeks ago, I ordered something for my wife from the restaurant, went and picked it up myself. Um, and the bag I picked up was sealed. Yeah. Even though I was I right was there. the customer. Um, and so I, I appreciate that, including they, they sealed the top of sodas as well. So I think they're kind of, you know, they realize that there is an issue. But yeah, every once in a while, there'll be an order where it's like, clearly whatever I ordered sounded yummy to them because they never showed up with it because somewhere between uh, somewhere between the restaurant and my house, that order got canceled.
3: Well, that hasn't happened to me yet, but I am really thinking twice about ordering in the future. Now, again, the vast majority of delivery people are honest and upright. They're Mm -hmm. delivering your food, but you don't know which one you're getting.
1: Yeah, yeah, as far as I could tell, and I usually check to just to make sure that nothing's been tampered with or seems tampered with. Um, I've I've not been concerned about that, any of those possibilities with the food that I've received. Now, the food I haven't received, that's a different story.
3: Yeah. Moving on. Please. This, <laughs> this was rather I disturbing. was hungry. <laughs> a stray python slithered into a Sonic drive-in last month, sending employees running from the restaurant. Well, yeah. Workers at a sonic location in Brunswick, Georgia, thankfully it's nowhere near here, found the python snuggled up behind the fryer on the evening of May the 20th. Um, The Brunswick police responded to find the employees had all exited the business upon finding the snake, which they initially described as brown with a diamond pattern on its skin. Well, the lieutenant who arrived believed the snake could have um, been a rattler. Requested permission to take a look. Fortunately, he was able to confirm the snake was non-venomous, but it was huge. It doesn't have to have venom for me. It just—it's a huge snake. I I will say though, I mean,
1: my 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 knowledge of snakes is a little limited—not terribly, but um, confusing a rattler and a python.
3: Yeah, I would confuse a rattler, a python, and a gardener there's, there's, snake. There's, to me, they're all snakes, and they are, they're all the same. Yeah, I'd just say they're very different in size, though. <laughs> I'm sure that's true. But I would look for such a short period of time before running the opposite direction. And the
1: python you know, has that, oh, no rattle thing going on for
3: it. Well, there is that. Um, anyway, uh, the lieutenant scooped up the python with his bare hands and a broom handle and placed it in a bag. He was transported to a temporary home in a terrarium. As there were no local trappers or resources in the area, he says it's unclear where the python came from. Though it's possible the snake slithered away from or was released by a resident who was keeping it as a pet. That's something I I don't understand. A big snake as a pet, but once again, law enforcement yeah. steps in and saves the day.
1: I mean, it's possible based on the fact it was by a friend. Maybe it's just a python that was really into French fries.
3: Well, that's true. I could
1: see that. They've got pretty good popcorn chicken, too. So, I mean, that's that's a fryer type thing. So it could be that.
3: Well, there was a curious cougar who was corralled in California in a classroom. Did you catch that alliteration? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, authorities said the 40-pound mountain lion casually walked into an English classroom, avoiding mathematics, of course, at uh, Pescadero High School and was contained when a janitor shut the door. I'm guessing he didn't walk in and scoop it up with his bare hands. Well, a quick-thinking custodian safely confined the curious cougar in an empty classroom after it entered the Northern California High School Wednesday morning. The custodian uh, was opening the school for the day's the school day when the juvenile mountain lion was spotted. Uh, The mountain lion casually walked through campus and decided to go into an English classroom. The custodian acted quickly and managed to shut the door behind it. Uh, The animal, estimated to be about 40 pounds, appeared lost and scared. Well, the California Department of Fish and Wildlife tranquilized the cat and sent it to the Oakland Zoo for examination. The underweight male was estimated to be four to six months old, had a fractured tooth um, that will uh, need to be extracted before the cat is released back into the wild. Pescadero is a small, kind of a coastal community about 35 miles south of San Francisco. It's probably you fleeing know, it's, San Francisco. I
1: would say, though, m- pretty much my entire time in school, I was confused and scared too, but by golly, no one ever tranquilized me.
3: <laughs> they probably should
1: have i i don't and i', I you know a d h d at all
3: yeah well there's that as i uh confessed last week i um i bought something from the publishers clearing house in hopes <laughs> that I may have already won
2: well, I haven't heard from them yet, but I
3: did receive the item i ordered i ordered of course you did. two poppies. Uh, I spent $10.99 on the two poppies, assuring that I would be among the ever-shrinking list of people eligible for the uh, the big prize. You could can, hardly I you, see can I ask the a question? Yeah. When the
1: package arrived, yeah. was it addressed to Georgine Rice or
3: Sucker? <laughs> it had my name, but I think they're interchangeable in this case. But yeah, I, I still believe it, could. Yeah.
1: P.T. Barnum said there's one born every minute.
3: I still could win, though. These um, poppy and seeds... And I could grow
1: antlers, but I don't see that
3: happening. Well, it says, Hello, Georgine. It called me by name. Okay. We're pleased to let you know that your publisher's clearinghouse order has been processed and is being scheduled for shipment. Well, I've already received it now, but anyway. Now that the item has been processed, your payment transaction has been finalized. It doesn't say anything about. Winning. Uh, If your order is part of a membership program, your membership program, do I have to join something else? Thanks for your. Here we go. Here we go. This is it. Uh Thanks for your recent sweepstakes participation. Win a million dollars tonight. You could win an incredible million dollar prize just hours from now in tonight's nightly drawing and wake up tomorrow much richer. And then it says act now. Well, what more do I need to do?
1: Well, I'm going to see you tomorrow, so I'll have to get an update from you on that.
3: Well, this this came a couple of days ago.
1: Oh. Oh, my. I'm sorry.
3: I apparently, I didn't win.
1: I wish I could say I'm shocked.
3: Yeah, it's going to take me a minute to... Speaking of
1: talking about how you know things are addressed, I I got a great email this morning, in fact, here at the station. And of course I get a lot of emails every day from people, you know, publicists and whatnot who want to get their authors on the show and whatnot. And I had a deeply personal email from one of our publicists that went, Dear media contact name
3: (laughs) It said that exactly. It said that exactly name.
1: Yeah, media contact name. I felt loved. I I felt treasured. I felt valuable. Wow. So from now on, if you would refer to me as a media contact name, that would be appreciated. Um, And you can call me media for short.
3: (laughs) I just might. I'm sorry. I'm just a little flustered. I
1: I guess I guess that means media is my first name. Contact is
3: your middle name. Middle
1: name and name is my last name. Apparently. Apparently.
3: Well, we missed it yesterday. Maybe it's Namé. Namé. Which is name. Yeah. Uh, your, uh, we missed yesterday that it was National Rotisserie Chicken Day. Ooh, yum. I, I really like rotisserie chicken. I do as well. It's celebrated annually on June the 2nd. It was started by the restaurant chain Boston Market in 2015. The holiday, as they refer to virtually everything these days, was founded by Boston Market, uh, with the restaurant offering deals for the holiday and encouraging chicken fans to share photos and recipes on social media, where there's no... Um, there's no uh, Boston Market in this area, I don't believe anymore. No, they left but, a long time ago. Yeah, a long time I,
1: ago. I, I, I ate there a couple of times. It was not
3: bad stuff. I actually kind of liked it.
1: Yeah, I kind of miss it. Not, not that uh, not that there aren't some good chickens out there. But, uh,
3: but that was yesterday. That was, that was yesterday. so yesterday. Today is National Gun Violence Awareness Day, National Itch Day, National Repeat Day, World Clubfoot Day. Huh. Great American Brass Band Week, National African Violet Week, National CPR and AED Awareness Week, and Prepare Tomorrow's Parents Month. So there you have it. If you're looking for a reason to celebrate, there you go. By the way, today also marks the uh, uh, birthday of President Abraham Lincoln. Is that right for June the... June the 3rd? Well, there you have it. All right, we need to take a quick break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We're meandering through the lighter side of the news, and we'll be back momentarily.
2: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast, it is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
3: Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We'll continue to uh, wander through the lighter side of the news. But before we do that, I'd like to invite you to join me and others at the Pathways Clinic Run for Life. It's coming up uh, tomorrow morning. It's the 10th anniversary celebration. And tomorrow at the Reflection Plaza in Washougal, we'll be gathering for just that. There's something for everyone with a one mile and 5K walk or a 10K run along the beautiful Columbia River Dyke Trail and a concert from Mike Lee. That's actually Mark Lee. My co-worker is Mike Lee of Third Day after the walk. Registration begins at 730 a.m. I'll be there along with my good friends Chris and Crystal from our sister station, 1041 The Fish. Uh, the walk at run will start at about 9 a.m. There'll be fun for all ages before, during and after the race, including, well, a few inspirational remarks. Food, games, vendors, live music by Mark Lee and of Third Day and a great Opportunity to support the Pathways Clinic on their 10th anniversary. I hope to see you there. All right, James, let's see. Uh, Mayhem uh, was assured at the cheese rolling as it returned to the uh, British sporting calendar. After a two-year absence, the uh, sight of people tumbling head over heels down a grassy slope in pursuit of a runaway cheese returns this week to the picturesque English village of Brockworth. As uh, extreme sports go... Did you say
1: that was the village of Brockworth? (laughs)
3: <laughs> no, Brockworth. I was uh, sort of say because like cheddar that.
1: cheese and Brockworth are supposed to go together really well. I wouldn't know because I don't like cheddar cheese, but
3: um, just saying. Yeah. Well, cheese rolling is an event that was first recorded in 1826 and which has become part of the Gloucester folklore. On Sunday, thousands of spectators will perch themselves on Cooper's Hill just outside <coughs> excuse me, Gloucester to uh, watch the action, which basically involves contestants running and tumbling after a fork. Uh, a gram- kilogram round of <clears throat> double Gloucester cheese released by the starter at the top of a 200-meter slope featuring 50% gradients. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but that sounds like a really good time.
1: Uh, We need to question <laughs> your idea of fun again, I think.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, it's a tradition, but I guess I'm not seeing it.
1: No, no, I'm not either. I think I'd rather go to Bratwurst.
3: Yeah, that sounds like more fun. Well, organizers of a Guinness World Record attempt in uh, Britain said 388 people donned mermaid tails to successfully break the record for the world's largest gathering of merfolk. That's male and female.
1: Yeah, yeah, mermaids. Yeah, yeah.
3: Pauline Barker, founder of the Devon and Cornwall Wild Swimming Group, said the official count at the 2022 Mermaid Challenge Uh, in Plymouth, was 388, exceeding the goal of 301, set by Guinness World Records. Participants in the Thursday record attempt were required to be dressed in fish, uh, dressed as fish from the waist down, uh, with bathing suits um, and other stuff that goes along with being a mer or merman, mermaid. The record attempt was organized by... um, baker with support of the plymouth active leisure and the national marine park horizon project and plymouth city council it was a big deal evidence from the record attempt is being submitted to guinness world records for official recognition as we speak
1: that's quite a
3: tale
1: you know i we've talked about you know of course for years we've talked about these guinness book world record things Things people and, and, do, and also tried to come up with. You know, could we ever pull one of these off? I think I finally figured it out
3: just now. Well, it has to be absurd enough that no one else has ever done it. The most likely to try. The most to it.
1: consecutive Fridays discussing Guinness Book World Records.
3: <laughs> we might actually. uh
1: That's what I'm saying. Win. Yeah, because it seems like there's one every week. Oh, at least, at least, and that, those are just the ones we mentioned. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I'm just thinking that we can yeah, make you know, a few calls. Would you? I'll, I'll look into it. There you go. I'll call the Guinness people.
3: Well, here's another one. Hundreds of people named Josh uh, converged on a Nebraska park for pool noodle battles. A couple hundred people grabbed their pool noodles and headed to a Nebraska park this weekend to battle over the right to be named Josh. The event started as an online joke When Josh Swain of Tucson, Arizona, sent out a tweet challenging anyone who shared the name to fight over it. Well, after it took on a life of its own, Swain turned it into a real event last year at the random coordinates he included um, in his original note, which happened to be in Lincoln, Nebraska. So he doesn't even live there. The enthusiasm from everybody here was just incredible, Swain says. Well, several of the competitors this year donned costumes, including masks. Animal suits, football helmets, before um, heading out to the Bowling Lake Park. But it wasn't enough to dethrone five year old Josh Vinson Jr., who defended his title as the number one Josh. Saturday's event raised $21,000 for Children's Hospital and Medical Center in Omaha, and the owners of the Josh Sellers wine label pledged to match that amount with a donation of their own. So that's pretty impressive, $42,000. The hospital said it plans to share some of the donations with the Joshua Collingsworth Memorial Foundation that promotes water safety and its Josh, the otter's mascot, who attended Saturday's battle.
1: They obviously take this very seriously and we're not joshing around. What? Thank you, James. What? I'm just saying. Thank you. Am I wrong? It's very serious.
3: Yes, thank you, James.
1: You're welcome. I thought could contribute.
3: Well, Las Vegas chapels of love uh, that use Elvis Presley's likeness could find themselves becoming heartbreak hotels. Have oh you no. heard about this? No, I have not. The licensing company that controls the name and the image of um, Elvis Presley is ordering Las Vegas chapel operators to stop using Elvis in themed ceremonies. The Las Vegas Review-Journal reported on Monday, Authentic Brands Group uh, they sent cease and desist letters in early May to multiple chapels, which are expected to be um, compliant by now. With Elvis so closely tied to Vegas wedding industry, some say the move could decimate their businesses. Now, my guess is they'd probably allow Elvis back into the building for a little bit of the, uh, the, a little bit of the action. Yeah, Maybe so, says one. Proprietor, we are a family-run business, and now we're hanging with a uh, with the big dogs. Kayla Collins, who operates Las Vegas Elvis dot and Little Chapel of Hearts with her husband. That's our bread and butter. I don't get it. We were just hitting our stride again through COVID. Then this happens. Well, Clark County Clerk Lynn Goya, who led a marketing campaign promoting Las Vegas as a wedding destination, said the order for the chapel to stop using Elvis. Couldn't have come at a worse time for the sector.
1: You know, a couple of years ago, we were uh, my wife and I had went to a convention in Las Vegas, and we're not Vegas people at all. But uh, we did joke about the idea of going and renewing our vows with Elvis, just for just for the silliness of it. And uh, after we saw the cost of what that would be, <laughs> we, we definitely so thought much. better of the goof.
3: Yeah. Well, apparently, Elvis has left the building. You've you got, so, you. <laughs> you got news and traffic coming up here at the top of the hour. And when we return, this week's Christian Outlook. Much of the attention will focus on the massacre in Uvalde and what to do, how to respond. All of that coming up in this week's Christian Outlook in the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. But first, news and traffic.
2: Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast.